Well, we, yes, we remain standing for the reading of uh, the New Testament, New Testament reading. We're going to turn to John chapter 20. John 20. And let me say before I read, uh, it's a great blessing to be with you this morning here. Wonderful to see what the Lord's doing in West Plains. And uh, I commend your pioneer spirit in the planning of a church. Planning a church is a very difficult thing. And yet we have all that we need in our Savior, don't we, for this. We, he gives us, He supplies the power we need. And when I see the gospel preached, we want the gospel to be preached. We want to see the church added to. We want Christ to be preached and proclaimed. And that's what your pastor does every Lord's Day. So a great blessing to me to be here and do the same today. So good to be here. And glad for the fellowship dinner too. So uh, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'll begin reading at verse 18. And of course, this is uh, Resurrection, Resurrection Day. And our Lord, we read of our Lord's appearances on this day. So John chapter 20, beginning at verse 18. This is the word of the Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any... It is withheld. God's holy word, may he write upon our hearts, and you may be seated. Well, brothers and sisters, uh, every believer should thrill, and we do thrill, at what we see here written in John chapter 20, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The reality of the resurrection, we, should, we say we should thrill at that. It's a wonderful thing. We're reminded of it every Lord's Day. This is why we worship on Sunday, isn't it? So every, every Lord's Day when we worship, we're reminded that our Savior is a risen Savior. We're reminded that then we have His life. And we're reminded of His great triumph over sin and death. So we thrill at that. Our Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead revealed to us here. But we should also be thrilled at what we see our Savior doing here in John chapter 20. What we mean is uh, how he showed himself to his disciples and how he ministered to them on this, the first Lord's Day. The first Lord's Day in the history of the world. Now, why should we thrill at that in particular? Because the same way that Jesus ministered to his own on this first Lord's Day is precisely the way he ministers to his people every Lord's Day to the end of the world. And so we have great encouragement in this this morning. Seeing what our Savior does here, we have something of a pattern an intended pattern as to what he does every Lord's Day. He continues 
to minister to his people on the Lord's Day. It shows us how he purposes this morning, brothers and sisters, how he purposes to minister. In fact, how he's already begun to minister to us on this Lord's Day. Now, we need eyes of faith to see that. This is a pretty pretty ordinary place, right? (laughs) It is. And we're pretty ordinary people. We are. And we gather together as people with great need. You need to see with eyes of faith what's happening this morning. You children, you want to think about what's really happening. It can look very ordinary. We realize you can be distracted by what the person's wearing ahead of you. There can be all kinds of distractions when you're worshiping, right? You want to see with eyes of faith what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing here because this is what he does every Lord's Day. So let's consider it this morning. See how our Lord Jesus Christ ministered to his own on this first Lord's Day. And brothers and sisters, be encouraged because this is what he's doing right now. What do we see him doing here? Two things at least, two big categories, two main points. We see he ministers peace and assurance. He ministers peace and assurance. Anybody in need of that today? Yes, there we are. Praise the Lord. Peace and assurance, that's what he does first. Secondly, he empowers them for their service. These two things only Jesus Christ can do. These two things every one of us this morning desperately needs. We need this every Lord's Day. And these two things, we say only Jesus Christ can do these two things. So what you need and what I need is for Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, to meet me today. This is what he does. This is why we're gathered. This is why we do this. (laughs) Because Jesus really meets with us here. First of all, we see that he ministers peace and assurance, and we can see it in three parts. What does he do? He comes to them, first of all, Then he greets them with words of peace. And then he addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. So he ministers peace and assurance. He does it in three ways. Or you see it in three parts. He comes to them. He greets them with words of peace. And he addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. So he comes to them. It is the first day of the week that Jesus comes. We say this is a a clear pattern to the end of the age. Uh, The day of worship, change, from the seventh day to the first day, properly so, right? Uh, Because you have here the greatest events in the history of the world taking place in the coming of the Savior, in his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of God. You could say very, very fittingly, we say it, this is the center of history. So very fitting when Jesus Christ comes and he completes the great work of salvation. Very fitting that you change the day of worship. And you look forward now to the final resurrection. We look forward to that today. So there's the great change of the day. The day of worship. 
so that Christ's people ever since that time have gathered on the first day of the week to worship him. Why we have a risen Savior. Jesus was raised on the first day of the week. But why else? Well, because he appeared to his disciples on the first day of the week. And not only that, he ministered to his disciples on the first day of the week. This is a pattern to the end of the age. Jesus wants us to keep it in mind. Jesus wants us to be encouraged by this pattern that he gives us here. Now, the disciples were meeting very privately, we're told, for fear of the Jews. Uh, We know from Luke's gospel there was much uncertainty and confusion. The disciples had been discussing the the, the appearances of the Lord, or some of the appearances of the Lord. The Lord had appeared to Mary Magdalene by this point. He had also, we know from Luke's gospel, he had appeared to Simon Peter by this point. We all know also that he had appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. In fact, you, you read that in Luke's gospel, they come back right that night. They hurry back to Jerusalem to where the disciples are gathered and they tell about this. How Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. And then he vanished from their sight. So they didn't know who it was until he showed himself to them breaking of the bread. Then he vanishes from their sight. So the, the, the room is, is rather a buzz here. But there's still much uncertainty and confusion. Now you think, I mean, they hear the reports, I mean, should, shouldn't everything be very clear here? Still much uncertainty and confusion and fear in this room. What's their problem? What's their problem? Brothers and sisters, their problem is the same as our problem. Their problem is unbelief. When I say that, I don't mean that they hadn't already believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't mean that. But you know, at the heart of all of our problems, you understand this, at the heart of all of our problems is our unbelief. So think of the man in the Gospels who says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, right? There's a sense in which we're always crying out in that way. I believe, but I need my faith strengthened. These disciples believed. They believed. But they're confused. Still. They have misapprehensions. They're afraid. What do they need? Now we see what they need, don't we? <laughs> what do they need? <laughs> they need Jesus to come to them. That's what they need. Nothing else will do here. They need Jesus to come to them. And that's what he does. He comes and he stands among them. He shows himself to them. So what do you need this morning? What do I need? I need this every Lord's Day. I need Jesus to come to me. 
and do in me what only he can do. I hope everyone here has some sense of that today. The only one who can help us, really, is Jesus. He's the only one. That's why we're here. I mean, the singing's great, right? And we want to appropriate, appropriate to worship. We want to sing when we worship. And all the parts of worship are wonderful, right? <laughs> what would it mean, though, if Jesus weren't here? We'd just be pretending. And we're not pretending. Jesus is here. So he comes to them. What does he do next? Very important. He greets them with words of peace. Jesus came and stood among them, the scripture says. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now you can be sure that this greeting, these words of peace, were conveyed with spiritual power. He greets his own, and, and you can be sure their hearts are, are, are wonderfully warmed. And you're strangely warmed, if we quoted Wesley here. Right? <laughs> their hearts are strangely, they're wonderfully warmed. Because there's power, brothers and sisters, in Jesus Christ speaking. They got it. They got it. Why? Because he conveyed it. And so he'll begin to minister to these disciples. Now, why is this significant? Because we see, we say here, a pattern, a pattern of Jesus dealing with his church from this point to the end of the world. Think in your worship service now, and I'm so glad you've been reading Jonathan Cruz's book on what happens when we worship, because you, you get this instruction in the book, right? Beginning of the service, what, you get the apostolic greeting, right? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus conveys power through the greeting of his minister. It means something, well, because he commanded it, and it means something because he's here. <laughs> words of peace. He greets them with words of peace. What does he do next? Something we very much need. What does he do? He addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. Anybody here have any fears and misapprehensions today? Anybody out there have any problems? <laughs> you look at the disciples and like, man, they're, they're a needy bunch, aren't they? I mean, there have already been some of these appearances of the Lord, but they still seem to be confused and afraid and they need ministry. And he comes and he ministers to them. And here, he addresses their misapprehensions. How does he do it? How does he address their fears and misapprehensions? He does it by the revelation of himself. He makes it clear that it is indeed he. Yes, he comes to them in flesh and blood. Here's the reality of the resurrection. But his appearance, we note again, is different. In the section previous to this, uh, Mary didn't recognize him at first. Remember that little section previous? We didn't read it. But Mary didn't recognize him at first until he spoke her name. 
She knew it was him. What does he do there? He reveals himself to her. Disciples on the road to Emmaus. We referred to that already, didn't we? Disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't know it was him. Until the breaking of the bread. And these disciples don't know at first that it's the Lord. How are they helped to know that it is Him? How does He reveal Himself to them? Very important. He showed them His hands and His side. How does He reveal Himself to them? By the emblems of His suffering. By the wounds in His body. So yes, here he he graciously gives assurances concerning the the resurrection, his resurrection. And he shows them, yes, the unmistakable marks on his body. We say the emblems of his suffering, the emblems of his death. You can say the emblems of his victory over sin and death. That's how he shows himself to them. This is why we preach the cross every Lord's Day. Because in the preaching of the cross, the crucified, risen Christ is revealed to his people. We say the proofs of his victory over sin and death. You could say uh, the proofs of his great love, yes? Anybody here today need to be assured of the love of Christ? What does he do when we gather? This is what he does, doesn't he? You can come in quite uh, any Lord's Day morning. You know, you can come in in quite a state, sort of beaten down, right? Wondering if God really would receive your worship, right? (laughs) Still, in, in in many cases, feeling the load, even the guilt of sin, when you come in. I need Jesus to show himself to me, and I need for him to show show himself to me under the emblems of his suffering and death, emblems of his victory, atoning sacrifice. All is well. That's what he says here. That's what he says. He reveals himself to them. Nurture loved this, it says, and they and they were glad. He reveals himself. I mean, there's fear and confusion and misapprehension. Then Jesus Christ shows himself to them. And man, they're glad. They're glad. He's alive. But it's communicated in power, isn't it? They really know. We could say they really get it. Now, we could also say they need to get it again and again and again and again, like we do, right? But this is what he does. Again and again and again and again. This is what he will do for you all of your life, all of your Christian life, for the rest of your life. As you come together on a Lord's Day and you are ministered to by the means of grace, this is what Jesus will do for you. It's what he's been doing. (laughs) But it's what he'll do for you every Lord's Day for the rest of your life. It's a beautiful thing.
So we gather in Jesus' name on this Lord's Day. What does he do? He comes to his own, he comes to us, especially on this day. This is a day like no other day. Now, you have your personal devotions, and it's important to have your personal devotions, but there's nothing like the gathering of the saints on the Lord's Day. There's nothing like the preaching of the Word, because Jesus himself speaks when the Word is preached. There's nothing like the Lord's Day. So he comes, comes to us, especially on this day. He shows himself to us, and how does he show himself to us? Now, you need faith for this. We're not pretending, but you need faith. How does he show himself to us? Through the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacrament. That's how he does it. And he's never done it any other way, and he won't do it any other way. This is how he does it. This is why we care about the means of grace, right? Preaching of the word. What do we really believe about the preaching of the word? Now, the church can be very confused here and there about this. So they substitute things for the preaching of the word. Let's watch a video today or something, right? Let's not watch a video today. Let's have the word preached. Let's have Christ preached because when Christ is preached, Christ himself speaks. That's what I need as a Christian. That's what you need as a Christian. I've often said our greatest need, I'm speaking of believers now when I say this, our greatest need when we come together on a Lord's Day is to hear Jesus speak to us. And that's what he does. That's what I need. This is what he does for them here. So he ministers peace and assurance to his disciples. And what next? Now he said, uh, he does what he alone can do. (laughs) He empowers them for service. Anybody out there need power for your service? (laughs) Anyone in need of power here? (laughs) I need the power of God every day of my life. I need the power of God for serving Him. You need that. You need, I need the power of God for loving other people. That's a rather supernatural thing. Now we know the world is able in their own way to love people here and there, right? We're talking about something beyond that, aren't we? To really love my neighbor, to really look outside of myself and have genuine interest for those those outside, the unbelieving, to love my neighbor, I need spiritual... I hope we've all discovered this. I think we have, but... (laughs) I need spiritual power for this. So it's a great way to pray, isn't it? Lord, give us power today. Gather together for worship. Great way to pray, isn't it? Give me power today to love my neighbor. This is the most... It's it's just about the most significant thing we do. (laughs) Of course, we seek to share the gospel, don't we? And that's to be brought in the context of loving them. And it's love... It's powerful love that opens doors to people to share Christ with them. So I need power for that. It's like saying I need power for open doors, right? Only Jesus can open the door. And how does he open the door? He opens the door by by ministering his power to us. So we see him doing that here. But notice, uh, first, Jesus again ministers peace to them. Did you notice this? Verse 21 Jesus said to them again, peace to you. He says it again. What's the problem here? 
Didn't they get it the first time? They didn't get enough of it the first time. They didn't get enough of it. They needed, obviously, because he says it again, they needed their Savior to say to their hearts again, peace be with you. So think, uh, in particular, of, of, a, of a, minist- a, a ministering of the gospel, gospel truth. Think of ministering the gospel truth. Because that's what we really, I think in good reformed worship, that's what we have threaded through our whole, our whole liturgy. Why do we frame it the way that we do? Because we, we're seeking through everything that we do in our worship, we're seeking through everything that we do in our worship to communicate the gospel. And that's what you have our Savior doing here. Peace be with you. You know what the word here means. It means, Hebrew would be shalom, right? All is well. All is well. So Jesus has revealed himself to his disciples by the element of suffering and triumph. And he's communicating to to them here that all, all is well. Can you hear that today? You need to hear it. I think it's why there's the double emphasis here. I need to hear it every Lord's Day. All is well. What do we mean? What does he mean? Savior of the world, speaking this to his own. Shepherd, the head of the church, speaking this to his own. What's he saying? What's, or what's contained? What's, what's rather contained in that? He died in their place. How about that? <laughs> Jesus saying, I died in your place. All is well. See, if I really get that, I understand all is well. <laughs> I died in your place. We, de- we desperately need to hear this every Lord's Day. I suffered hell for you. It's finished. God's wrath is entirely removed. In fact, His wrath is entirely removed. All of His favor rests upon you. Anybody need to hear that today? Now, now you might think, gosh, that's what Pastor Morielli, Pastor Paul says that to every, Lord, every Lord's Day. He does. Jesus said it twice here. It's double emphasis. Peace be to you. Peace be to you. This is why we never get tired of the gospel, right? It's why we never get tired of it. Because this morning, Bruce Hollister needs to hear Jesus Christ say to him, All is well. You're mine. I died for you. I did everything for you. You don't need to do another thing to come into my favor. I want to serve him, don't I, in love for him. <laughs> I, don't need to do, I don't need to do another thing. I could not do another thing that would make him more favorable to me than he already is because Jesus died for me. Now, I said early on, you know, we can come in to a service on a Lord's Day, we can feel rather, rather trampled upon, right? Rather, rather weighed down. And there, and there are things going on in our hearts or in the back of our thinking, you know. You think about your sin. Does Jesus really receive me? I failed him so miserably. Does he still love me? <laughs> has, it, has it not changed a little bit? I mean, you know, when I come into worship, he knows what a mess I am and we're all a mess. But I come into worship 
And isn't it like, he's sort of like, you know, okay, maybe once, you know, maybe once you show you're really genuine here and really, you know, show some earnestness, then I'll, I'll, I'll begin to minister to you. No. What does he say? When we first come into worship, messes that we are and the collective mess that we are, what does he say? He says, peace be with you. All is well. All is really, really well. Everything really, what does he mean? Everything, it couldn't be better. (laughs) It couldn't be better. Why? I died for you. I've opened heaven to you. All of the Father's love rests upon you. You don't have to prove anything. Now go and serve me in the joy of the gospel. Yes? This is why we need the Savior to minister to us every Lord's Day. He knows we need this. That's why he commanded it. <laughs> he, knows, he knows we need it better than we know we need it. He knows we need this. So a double powerful ministration of peace here. And this is the basis of confident joyful service. Jesus assures them of the authority of their mission. He says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So as the Father empowered Jesus in all of his mission, so we will empower these disciples. Same divine authority, the rest upon the Son, will be expressed through these apostles and in the apostolic preaching of the cross. And yes, Jesus empowers them for their gospel service. Verse 22. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he supplies the Spirit to them. And we understand it's a special anointing. Pentecost hasn't taken place yet at this point. Pentecost does come. And Jesus pours forth the Spirit. And every child of God is indwelt by the Spirit of God. I hope we're all clear on that. But, the, but the, the important point here just now is this, to see again that it's Jesus who supplies the Spirit to his own. That's what he does here. He empowers them thereby. So we say a special anointing, special provision of the Spirit in power, enabling them to understand the truth. Think of the parallel of Luke's Gospel here, chapter 24, where it says, same event, same evening, it says, he opened their mind to understand the Scriptures. I think those are parallel ideas. He opened their mind to understand the scriptures. He empowers them to understand the scriptures and he empowers them for their service. He enables them, we say, to understand the truth. He empowers them. Now you might say, you know, um, on the Lord's Day, on the Lord's Day, you know, I feel particularly revived. You ever notice this? (laughs) Now maybe you don't always sense it quite the same way on a given Lord's Day. But oftentimes we, re- we recognize that in our experience, don't we? I feel particularly revived. I feel particularly buoyed up when I come out of worship. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ really does minister his power to his people as the word is opened, as he speaks to them, he opens their understanding to understand the scriptures, and he empowers them. This is what he does. 
Now, we're not always in the same way sensible to what's going on, but we certainly need to believe what's going on because this is what goes on. We see it here. Finally, he assures these disciples of his authority in their gospel service. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And I don't want to belabor this too much, but just to make the point about it, uh, this is all about authority. What do I mean? It's Jesus Christ alone who forgives sins. It's Jesus Christ alone who retains sins, pronounces judgment. So this is all about authority. Here is the authority of gospel preaching. The very authority of Jesus Christ is manifested in gospel preaching. When the gospel is preached, we said it already, Jesus Christ speaks. He reveals himself and he grants forgiveness of sins. So these apostles would declare in the preaching of the gospel, to that one who trusts in Christ alone, his sins are forgiven. That's on the authority of heaven. To that one who trusts in Christ alone, his sins are forgiven. To that one who rejects Jesus Christ, he remains in his sins. The wrath of God rests upon him. That's the authority of Christ. So the disciples are to know they're not alone in their ministrations as they look forward. Well, brothers and sisters... I could use the book title just now, right? What happens when we worship? What happens when we worship? Jesus Christ himself comes to us. He meets us. He shows us again the emblems of his suffering, the emblems of his victory, the emblems of the Father's love for us. He shows it to us again. He ministers peace to us. And he empowers us for service. See, why do you do this? This used to be an exercise place, right? Why would you come here every Lord's Day into this place and probably your neighbors here think, you do this every Sunday? I mean, aren't there other things to do on Sunday? There are a lot of other things people do on Sunday, right? Why do you do this? Why do we do it? We do this because if you come here, yes, in this plain place, this plain space, this echoey space, you come to this place Because this is where you meet Jesus. This is where he ministers. This is where he can be found. You don't have a a marquee outside the building here. Maybe someday you'll have a marquee, I don't know. You don't have a marquee outside the building, but you know, you could put on the marquee outside the building, Jesus Christ here today. He really is. We aren't making it up. He's really here. And he really speaks. I mean, shouldn't that draw a crowd in? It's true. 
So we know why we're here. Why do you do this? Because the living Christ is here. He really is. And he really speaks. And he ministers again and again and again the peace we so desperately need. And, as we said and we see here, he empowers us for our service. Now, Jonathan Cruz says this in his book. I don't know if these are his exact words, but it's the same theme, certainly. Worship, corporate worship. Yeah, I think he does say almost something precisely like this. Corporate worship is more transformative than any other activity in which you will ever engage. You go out of this place, let me say, on authority of the gospel, you go out of this place, you really are different than when you came in, even when you don't necessarily feel like it. I mean, we walk by faith, not by sight, right? We really go out different than we came in. Because Jesus Christ lives. That's why. So the, 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 the means appear ordinary. I mean, here you got, here you got. You know, this, this, the guy stands up again. You do this every Sunday, right? Again, the world looks on. They say, you do, the, you do this every Sunday? The same plain old guy, Pastor Morreale, stands up, or Pastor Hollister. Same old plain guy stands up. He opens the same book every Lord's Day, and he basically says the same thing. <laughs> Yes! He says the same thing. Peace to you. Peace to you. All is well. Jesus died for your sins. He's raised. He lives. He's here. Say the same thing every week. So the means are ordinary. But Jesus Christ is extraordinary, beyond measure. And that's why and how he takes what's otherwise ordinary and he communicates himself and he communicates his power and he prepares us to go out, doesn't he? You need power, I need power. We said it a few minutes ago, didn't we? Now we want people to come in and hear the preaching of the word, don't we? Because we know what it means. <laughs> we know what's going on here. A young person, you, you, young person, you, you want to know what, where, where all the excitement really is in the world? It's here. It's here, in this place where Jesus Christ is. So this is why we gather. Jesus Christ ministers to us and he empowers us. We want people to come in and hear the preaching of the word, don't we? And what's that powerful way whereby they're drawn in to hear the preaching? 
let me just put it this way. It's the power of the love of, of the people of God. I said a few minutes ago, you need power for this. And there's a wonderful opportunity. So pray this way. Even as you think about this, the application just now, pray this way. Lord, empower us this week. Empower us to love those around us. People can be very difficult to love. You notice this? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty difficult to love, so wow. People can be pretty, pretty difficult to love. This is why we need power. That's the great thing you see, of course, in the book of Acts. That's the great thing you see in the book of Acts in, the, in tandem of gospel ministry. Apostolic preaching of the Christ who's been raised and the people of God loving their neighbors. And it's, uh, it's explosive. It's powerful. But only Jesus can do this. That's why we seek him today. Only he can do this. So we give praise to our wonderful Savior who does in us on this day, has done in us on this day what only he can do. He speaks peace. He ministers power. He really comes to us and speaks to us and assures us and empowers us. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to come to him and discover who he is. You need to trust in him alone. We said it a few minutes ago. Dear friend, this is the center of the universe. This is where you hear the living God speak. And the living God is the only one who can save us. He's the only one who can save us from our sin. He's the only one who can change us. And he delights to do it. Every Lord's Day, from one degree of glory to another, this is what he does. And let's pray. Lord, we thrill, we do thrill at what it is you do as we gather together on the Lord's Day. We thank you that this morning you remind us of this. How we thank you for the way you empower us to go out and live for you. We look to you for this. How we need for you to open our eyes and see the reality of these things that we've described today. You must open our eyes to show us the invisible world as it really is. The things of your kingdom. We ask you for that, that Christ might be glorified. We pray in his name. Amen.